Welcome to the Flayo Podcast. This is Troy and Byers, and we are here with another late night set blockbuster. Uh, this is the 25th anniversary of the the 1997 comedy classic Liar Liar, starring Jim Carrey. That's gross uh, to say out loud. 25 years old. Ew. I feel like we're going to do that a lot. There's a couple of 10 year anniversaries that we've got coming up. Those are fine. Like, yeah. Cool. Whatever. But yeah this there's one there's one later on this year that's going to make us feel like really really old uh, uh can't wait for that one couple, so at least, I, yeah. I've, I've already started doing some of the prep uh for for that particular one so uh so as i said it's uh liar liar starring uh, jim carrey maura tierney and carrie elways it just goes to show you that this is truly a one-man show with jim carrey right yes yeah, like all our quotes, pretty much ninety nine percent. It's just gonna be Jim Carrey lines. It's he has multiple scenes where he's literally the only person on screen. He's fighting <laughs> with himself. He's beating himself up. He's drawing on his own face. Like, and it works. He pulls it off. Uh, yeah, it's it's directed by Tom Shadyak, who was uh, surprisingly, as I was digging into his IMDb, is like the superstar uh, of comedy. Uh, directing in the 1990s he had ace ventura patch adams nutty professor um also had bruce almighty and evan almighty i guess evan almighty probably is a little bit lacking uh we're going to talk about bruce almighty uh more than likely i'm, I'm going to talk about it I'm in the talk about it so. in the in the top five uh for jim carrey uh, roles that that we've got coming up after this one so Screenplay was written by Paul Guay and Stephen Mazur, who only had like Heartbreakers, which is a terrible movie with Gene Hackman and uh, Jennifer uh, Love Hewitt and Sigourney Weaver. The only reason I know about it, right? The only reason I know about it is because it came out in 2001 when I was working at Blockbuster and I watched literally everything. Yeah. Uh, And The Little Rascals. Uh, but as I went through some of the the uh, uh, behind the scenes of this movie, they only came up with the outline of basically concept, the basic concept. Thank you. Not even the plot, like the basic concept hey, of let's the have movie. This family and the kid wishes that his dad can't lie. Cool. We wrote <laughs> <It's>, a movie. <laughs> it's literally the guys in Elf like just tossing stuff out. Remember those two dudes that we were making fun of, and they were like we should get somebody else to write it. <laughs> so, uh, so they the had asparagus a... <laughs> children. That's yes. who wrote this movie. Okay. Uh, a lot of the rewrites were done, uh, were credited by Stephen Oderkirk, who uh, wrote the nutty professor and Bruce almighty, who obviously worked with uh, Tom Shadyak on those movies. And um, a lot of the other uh, rewrites were uh, uncredited to Judd Apatow. So it's a couple of different movies that we've had that, that show up. So it's just kind of an interesting little, little tidbit there. But uh, what do you love about this movie, Byers? This movie does a good job of hitting the Jim Carrey sweet spot for me, where mm-hmm. he gets to be irreverent and a little over the top, but not too much, you know? Whereas as a 40 year old, I can still watch this movie and find enjoyment. Like there's some other Jim Carrey's we'll talk about this more in the top five. I'm sure we're like, when yep. you're 13, it's gold. When you're 35 and 40, it's like, I thought this was hilarious at one point. Like, 
you know um yeah. but you know he gets the, the the goofy dad husband role for jim carrey yeah. at this point is really good um it, it's classic jim carrey stuff but it actually has a point and a message like there's actually some plot and it's more than just hey let's let jim carrey be crazy on screen so no absolutely that i i, I couldn't put it to uh to words better um so I'll, I'll kind of go off of my little things that don't necessarily make it into one of our categories. I love the fact the the face that Max makes when Fletcher says, Hey, maybe you can send effects to one of your girlfriends. He just does this, like this grunt and like a, a like a fist at him. Like it's just, it's pretty awesome. Uh, the ending blooper reel. I miss, I, I miss blooper reels being in comedies. Like I when did people yeah on my favorite scenes in this movie because they're that good <laughs> i wrote it down um uh, what else uh fletcher detailing uh their case like uh, i should probably put that we're gonna we're gonna cut that out i'm actually gonna put that i, I dropped that from favorite scene that should be uh favorite scene Tina turner speech yes <laughs> So in my favorite scenes. What's that? That's so in my favorite scenes. It yeah. might be my uh, high on the list. Um, let's see here. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned is that it's the sweet spot, but his physicality is just on full display, like in in a different way. Like you could just watch this movie with the sound off and just laugh at it. Like you and you would you would really know like you wouldn't necessarily know what's going on, but you could just like he's just so stinking funny with the way that he uh, just manipulates his face. And I mean, obviously, that's like his um, his go to move. But like you said, there's something about it in the way that it's more even though it's a more subdued tone, like he's still. I don't know. He, he's, it's got that, like that quiet rage to it. <laughs> this guy's a little unhinged and you can tell. Yeah. Um, it, it's a short list of guys that could pull off the physical comedy in this movie. You know, yeah. it's like, I, I mean, like Jim Carrey, uh, Steve Martin could pull, could pull some of this stuff up maybe, you know, like. So that's funny that you mentioned it. Uh, Steve Martin was uh, originally cast in this movie did you know hey, that i did not know that that's funny yeah so he was originally cast in this movie and it was like a much older like lawyer he like was still like married to his wife and like had older kids and they were kind of kind of set it up and then they changed it obviously since jim Kerr, who was much younger at that time into this particular uh setup but yeah I, I think that you're you're spot on, like Martin, and uh, I think Chevy Chase could maybe yeah, do maybe. it. Maybe, yeah, yeah. It'd be but, I don't know, but it'd but be, it's a short it'd list. Be, you're right. Yeah, it's a short list, very short oh, list. Man. Now you've got me thinking about what Chevy Chase would do in this. Like that would be such a great Chevy Chase, like early Chevy Chase, not old Chevy Chase, like when this happened. Anyway, no, not okay. Community Chevy Chase. Um, <laughs> Oh, it's so good. What's um, better, Community Chevy Chase or uh, Boston Celtics Phoenix Sun Shack? I'm just the Shaktis or Community Chevy Chase. Community Chevy Chase, like okay. he's still got, he's still got good lines in that. Like, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite scene? Ooh, there's some... got about, I, I've got about five. I, I did really good with this one. Well, if we take out the outtakes that I already mentioned that, that was on my list. You can leave the outtakes. I in. loved it. Especially the yeah. very last one where they, yeah. they do one on purpose and she calls him an overactor in the middle of the scene. <laughs> that one, I wait for it every time. Like, I'm like, this might be my favorite part. Right. Um, I don't know. Scenes. It's not really a scene. It happens several times, but the claw cracks me up. Yep, I've got um, that. With especially the... when when Fletcher tries to do it, like in the middle of it. Like if you include that, when Fletcher just does his little finger and like totally misses the point and doesn't. Oh, you mean the claw. Uh, Jerry? When Jerry, Jerry does that, that's what yeah. I meant. Yep. Yeah, when Wesley does it, I'm just going to call him Wesley so I don't mix up the names. <laughs> um, the claw is really fun. I love the Tina Turner speech with yes. with Jennifer Taylor. You know, she's beyond Thunderdome. Like it's just so. <laughs> When he starts singing at the end and stuff, yeah. it's fantastic. It's it's just classic Jim Carrey stuff. Um, I love the beginning of the wish, like when Max makes the mm-hmm. wish and then it switches over to see Fletcher and the whole I've had better line and the elevator scene, some highly inappropriate stuff. But yes. uh, walking into work is probably my favorite part though like yes. it starts at the elevator when he you know it was me and mm-hmm. and then everybody that the day before you saw him paying these fake compliments to now yep. he can't hold it in um yep. you know what'll it be eventually a pockmark eventually you know that kind of <laughs> stuff that's really fun and then I, probably my favorite is the pen is blue like if you just encapsulated just that moment where he's in there just trying to write with the pen and it won't do it not even his hand and it's basically like a scene between Jim Carrey and his own hand. Like he's in the scene by himself, but it's like two characters in there. He does it so well. Well, I, well, I do. I do appreciate his commitment to the bit. That is probably, I'm not going to say that it, it gets into like um, worst scene. Like I'm not stepping on who beefed later, uh, but that's where it does kind of get a little out of hand. Okay. A lot out of hand, but it's still, it's Jim Carrey and it's just like, okay, it whatever. I don't Makes know. Sense. I like yeah. it. Yeah. When, when Greta finally comes in and he's just yeah. like drawn all over his own face, like mm-hmm. uncontrollably, it's, I, I don't know, cracks me up. Um, the boardroom scene is really great where she, she thinks she's tricking him into the, to, to say all these awful things about Mr. Allen and stuff. <laughs> Simmons is old. <laughs> he should have gotten out of the game years ago, but he hates his wife. I, I love that he like hangs on the Simmons is old and everybody yeah. still laughs anyway. <laughs> and then he like goes into the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, beating himself up in the bathroom. Yeah. Is, is pretty good. And then, see, I, I'm completely contrarian because I think Pen is Blue is a little too out of hand. And then I love the beating himself up in the bathroom <laughs> scene. So I fully recognize that I'm an idiot. So, yeah. Okay. The way he wins the case and the, the ending of it is that the end of the case is really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got some great little one liners and zips back and forth with the lawyer and stuff. And yeah. Um, just his ridiculous antics because he's just off off the rails completely by then where he's just like making these faces as he goes back to the right just he just looks like an idiot but it's great and this of course comes out after uh some big legal dramas right and i mean legal dramas have been around forever a time to kill had just come out the year before and a few good men was a few years before that and so i mean a lot of these things 
are pretty timely uh, in that uh, people's perceptions of like what a, a courtroom scene is are, are played up in this for, for really good effect, you know? Like that's that stuff was kind of went over um, Xavier's head whenever we we watched it. I watched it with him uh, pretty recently and, and then rewatched it again because I was an idiot and didn't take notes. But a lot of those things like at the time were like really kind of in jokes for like just making fun of that type of like courtroom scene uh, uh, that had been around forever, but was, was a little bit more recent at that time. I had all of those except for, uh, the birthday scene with Max, but what would you say is your favorite? I think I'd go probably the Tina Turner speech when he's going off about the Thunderdome line and there's no, (laughs) it's great. It's a really hard between that one. I really, I really think the the second time he walks through the office Ooh, when he yeah. can't lie, like starting from because who doesn't love a good fart joke? Uh, like from that point on, like into when he gets into his office, I, like it's pretty good, you know. I mean, it, it's a good setup from the day before, like you said, and good. Whatever takes the focus off so, your hair. Um. <laughs> uh, I, I know that that's probably like there's better. Like I think that that just has like a good like compact like a bunch of the of the we're just about to get or we're just about to get into the Drax award uh with all of these uh all of these quotes and I think that probably has a good concentration of quotes either that or and the the final court scene kind of goes on a little bit too long yeah you know so for so if I'm going to be kind of uh if I'm going to be fair I'm probably probably go with that one because that one's probably like what like two two and a half minutes you know so yeah I don't know. There's always, there's a depressing part at the very end of the court, like after he's won the case and then you get all that stuff that kind of taints even the court case a little bit, like the whole, yeah, the, the slightly, the serious part where he gets thrown in contempt and stuff and right, which is really good, but mm-hmm. also just kind of sad. Like, you're just like, Oh my gosh, this woman's terrible. And yeah, the whole kids are not leveraged stuff. And it just, yeah. it leaves a little bit of a bad taste on the end of that part for me. So for a for a 90s comedy we we talk about this a lot we've talked about we did happy gilmore and we've done a couple of these lists as well and i've been educating my son uh who's who's 12 now i feel like this is this is my uh this is my duty as a father now to allow him to to let him see some of these movies when they're age appropriate he's like why do these movies end so badly? <laughs> like the other day, we just watched the first 30 minutes of Night at the Roxbury. And uh, so I married an axe murderer. And he was like, why did we just stop watching the movie? I was like, if you ever watch that in the future, you'll know that I did you a favor because you know how you hated the end of Billy Madison? Like just the very, very end. Like that's the last hour of these movies. We watched the funny parts and we're on to the next thing. So for, for all of that, this actually kind of made sense and had like a, a, a decent yeah. ending, you know? Right. Oh yeah. It's very pointy. It'll come up again in like some spiritual metaphors and stuff, I'm sure. But yeah, it just, but it wouldn't be my favorite scene. Yeah, like exactly. I'll, I'll just like talking through that. I think that that was a, that was a, uh, a good a good spot for that so let's move on to our favorite quotes or what we call our drax award 
I've got a, I've got a decent amount. I've got two exchange. All right, <laughs> they're not even ex- well. Mm, one's an exchange and one's just a monologue. It's not. <laughs> No, it's not that bad. You've alluded to it twice now, so I'm going to try to do the whole thing. So yes. <laughs> I'm excited. So um, what do you have first? I, the very first one I have uh, when he shows up and he's doing the claw and he's chasing Max and Max runs behind his mom. <laughs> and he goes, his hand shrivels up and he's like, ooh, you found the claw's only weakness. Sub-zero, Sub-zero temperature. temperature. <laughs> Right. I think I think it's right after that where she basically tells him that she uh, uh, she divorced him because he was cheating on her all the time. And he goes, "Ooh, that was below the belt. Keep those gloves up. And then, of course, as he rolls in, he like does like the he's got the convertible, but he's got this two uh, like double fist pump in the air and he screams Maximus like out of his car, like before Maximus was a cool thing for Gladiator. So uh, I I call my uh, little nephew, but I just call him Maximus all the time because they call him Max. And I'm like, oh, uh, I don't care if it's Maxwell. I'm just going to call him Maximus because that sounds cool based off of this and Gladiator. So that's a twofer. I've had better happens at like a horribly inappropriate <laughs> moment, but it's hilarious. <laughs> Um, I, I can't help but laugh every time it happens. That's better. And and I love that he can keep continue giving the the same line reading in multiple different places yes. and have it be so funny, like every single way that he says it, it. Especially, it finally becomes funny to him too. Like he's right. like like horrified and just mortified that he said it at first, and then by the time he's brushing right. his teeth, he just starts chuckling about how funny it really is. So. Right. Uh, the first time that he's walking through the, uh, uh, the office, he goes, looks and personality, a double threat guy. Um, I've already mentioned it. I, the pin is blue cracks me up. And so anyone that like knows this movie well enough, you can just be like, Oh, the pin is blue. And like, occasionally you can, you can get a nice chuckle out of somebody yeah. if they've actually paid attention, but it never works on my wife. <laughs> I love it when he's, uh, he's got the the glove max gets the glove for his birthday and jerry's talking about how great and he's because hey great gift dad and he goes thanks son to jerry because <laughs> he's just such a magoo as he says yeah oh and then he's like i'm glad my gift could bring those two closer together yeah <laughs> stuff. um when he gets pulled over and the yes. officer goes do you know why i pulled you over and he goes depends how long you've been following me and I can't do it, but the list he rattles off is amazing. I sped. I followed too closely. I ran a stop sign. I almost hit a Chevy. I sped some more. I failed to yield at a crosswalk. I changed lanes at the intersection. I changed lanes without signaling while running a red light and speeding. Is, is that, that all? <laughs> no, I have unpaid parking tickets. <laughs> I love that you had that down in its entirety. Uh, correct. You already mentioned it. It was me, uh, Fletcher, after farting in the elevator and everyone's sitting there, like, making the the nasty face. <laughs> when Max is talking and says something about, my teacher says that something about Rofie being on the inside. I can't remember what Max says exactly. <laughs> that's exactly goes, what he says. My teacher says beauty is on the inside. Yeah. And Fletcher goes, that's just something ugly people say. <laughs> oh, man. Getting his car from the impound lot. 
and he grabs the air freshener and he goes, I'm taking this and like gives a big old sniff. It like reminds me of the teacher in uh, 10 things I hate about you. And he goes, <laughs> takes the, takes I'm the, I'm confiscating, I'm this. confiscating this, this too. <laughs> um, when he's objecting to something in the courtroom and <laughs> the judge asks why, and he goes, cause it's devastating to my case. <laughs> I think he should have granted it to him right there. I don't know. Right. Speaking of, uh, he goes, I object your honor. And as after he's like asking the questions to the guy, after they bring him in after the short recess and he goes to yourself. <laughs> when uh, him and Greta are arguing, Greta's telling the story about her friend that had the robber sue her and mm, stuff. Mm-hmm. And she goes, is that justice? And he goes, no. And it goes to her face for a second and she lights up and he goes, I'd have got him 10. you almost had it and then you blew it and the truth shall set you free like in the way that he says it and the truth shall set you free like that's one of like one of my favorite quotes that i quote like a decent amount like and i always forget that it's from this movie yeah i'm jose canseco (laughs) i'm jose canseco just screaming it over and over as he gets dragged off to jail from the courtroom right uh jerry oh the claw's going to get you you're scared of the claw the claw's gonna get you (laughs) i love when he's next to the plane and like jerry or yeah jerry finally jerry sees him and he's you know pointing and audrey turns around Look, Max, your father came to say goodbye. Wave. And they just wave at him. <laughs> and Max is just all into it. Like, it's totally normal. Hey, dad came to see me finally. Yeah. All right. The Tina Turner. Where would Tina Turner be right now? She rolled over and said, hit me again. I can this time put some stank on it. Rolling on the river. That's where she'd be. But she's beyond Thunderdome because she decided to send a message. Wake up, sisters. There's no such thing as a weaker sex. That's just prime Jim Carrey right there. Like, oh, yeah. just he's just going. And of course, like both of them, Miranda and uh, uh, Jennifer Tilly's character, just like staring at at him, like just with eyes wide open. Like, like I'm sure that that was like the first take that they were like, "Who the heck is this guy?" <laughs> That's all I got. I think it's I think it's significant that you only see him while he's talking in that scene because I bet they were just oh dying just half dying. the time. Like, yeah. You could not show their faces. Yeah. No, I I think the Tina Turner one has to has to be it. Yeah, I think so. Okay. It's great. It Especially is. when you add the whole thing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's classic Jim Carrey. Like, it's, yeah. Like later on, I don't really have an iconic scene as in like I but but if we're just talking like Jim Carrey iconic moment, like that mm-hmm. that little speech is pretty indicative of of who Jim Carrey is. Yeah, I mean everybody remembers the claw, but that's I mean so it's like, I mean but that's not like a great necessarily a great line, you know. So. Yeah. So let's move on to recognize my face. Who do you got? I got three people, but I, I got a runaway. I got a runaway winner. I have one that's much, much better than the other. Uh, Anne Haney, who plays Greta, uh-huh. kind of shows up. She's in Mrs. Doubtfire is the big yeah. one. Um, but tons of TV as well. But Mrs. Doubtfire is the one that I remember her from. Yeah. She was in L.A. Law. She was a judge. 
um, which is funny because uh, uh, the, the guy that plays the judge in this movie was a judge in Night Court as well. And I think I've just watched this movie a million times. I was searching his IMDb, like scouring it, going, what else is this guy in? And I think it's just, I always remember him from this. And sadly, he passed away from a heart attack like like before this movie even came out. Yeah, this is like the last thing on his IMDb, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, uh, who else do you have? Uh, Jared Paul plays the guy with the zit on his face that works mm-hmm. in the office. Um, he's on home improvement for a few episodes, but the bigger thing, he's Darren on Seinfeld, who's like Kramer's intern for an episode. Like, <laughs> like I can always kind of you to bust out some Seinfeld. Yeah. I, like I'm looking at him and I'm like, what is this guy from? You know, it's like one episode. Cause other than like a handful of the main characters, everyone's pretty much one and done on Seinfeld. But yeah, he plays Darren. He's yeah. like scheduling meetings between Jerry and Kramer and stuff. Mr. Kramer would like to meet you for lunch. The usual booth, you know, like all these stupid things because he thinks Kramer has a real business and well, it's Kramer. So, right. I've got two more. Uh, I've got Marianne Mueller Leal. She's the teacher in this and she's just in a million TV shows and random movies like Safe by the Bell, the new class. <laughs> And just, just, oh, just a million things out there. So like anything that you've watched, she has like 292 like credits of just her just showing up in random movies, but I just couldn't latch on to enough that like you would really actually get a recognize my face from it. Uh, like I did with uh, Randall Tex Cobb, my runaway winner. He was in the Golden Child, Police Academy 4, Fletch Lives, Ernest goes to jail. He's in Ace Ventura. He's the guy at the very beginning uh, that uh, has like the perm with the mustache and he's got the dog. Like in this movie, he's shaved bald, but he's like in it, like at the very beginning of the movie, he plays Skull and he's like, hey, do you want my jacket back? And he, uh, they have like this deleted scene. You can go out on YouTube and find it. It would be a perfect setup to this movie. Like this movie opens really awkwardly. Like it just opens with him walking down the steps after finishing a case, but the case that you would see, and it only lasts like three minutes was really cool. Cause it shows you that he's a good lawyer, but he's completely immoral and unethical. Um, because he's talking about, he's talking through Skull's case where he beat up this dude and stole his money from an ATM and he completely flips it into like just this ridiculous like case. Even the the judge is just like, is the jury really, really falling for this right now? <laughs> um, but like that guy, like Randall Tex Cobb is the one for me. He was also in a movie called Blind Fury. Uh, that uh, was on HBO with Rudiger Hauer, uh, who plays a blind uh, swordsman. Like, and it's fantastic. <laughs> it's horrible. It's like a super cheesy movie, but like, it's called Blind Fury about a blind, about a blind man. Uh, so, uh, if you ever want to watch like some of the worst like '80s uh, like 
why uh, a lot of uh, movie companies went bankrupt in the 80s due to cocaine. Uh, <laughs> maybe go watch Blind, Blind Fury. Fury. <laughs> All right. Uh, but I, I, I was excited that I could get an Ernest Goes to Jail uh, reference in there, You're too. You're always excited for the Ernest reference. I am. I am. Does it hold up? I've got a couple of things here. I do. I, I get that he can't lie. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like the point, right? That's all those guys thought of. But does he have to tell the brutal, blunt truth all the time? Like, is there part of the wish that says he has to open his mouth and speak? Like, there's plenty of times he could just like be silent, but he like blurts things out. Like, it's not, he wished that his dad couldn't tell a lie. He didn't wish that his dad would confess everything for 24 hours. <laughs> like, it's just like, dude, you, you didn't have to answer that part. Um, that was my one of my things like a, a little like very close to that like it's it's just a little more coincidental that everything is based around him not telling a lie for that one day which is like the longest day in like the history of man and it just so happens that like the day before he gets like this super important court case that he like has to do it you know i mean i get it it's a it's a comedy like we're but we're going to pick on it a little bit more in uh, plot holes and quibbles. <laughs> yeah. It's like the longest day ever. Um, yeah. Cause they live in LA, right? I mean, this is Oh, where that's, and that's where like, like the, drives like, all over yeah. town multiple times. It's like, Nope, no, uh-uh. Never. Nope. nope, no way. Not happening. Not happening at all. Uh, I've been to LA twice uh, to go to Disneyland. We actually, stayed like right next to disneyland so we didn't have to drive anywhere but the second time we had to go across uh la twice to go to like a graduation party for my wife when she got her master's and then the actual ceremony and both times it was the most insufferable traffic you've ever been in your life so like i was in LA. la we were staying next to disneyland and going to a conference that was at the convention center which is by staples center mm-hmm Oh, you're like way downtown. We were there when Michael Jackson died. Oh, and they were having like the viewing, like people were driving by and oh my gosh, I've never seen anything like it. Thank goodness we were in the, uh, the 15 passenger van that was clearly allowed in the high occupancy lane. (laughs) Um, that helped a lot, but yeah, yeah, just brutal. There's no way this, this thing would have taken a week for him to do all the things that he did in a day in reality in LA. Yeah. Um, during the roast, he uh, he uh, calls one of the dudes and the R word and uh, slaps the toupee on the wall and then starts uh, a war cry like a Native American. Uh, that probably wouldn't pass uh, no, these no, days. No, yeah. some of that's not getting through anymore. What's <laughs> uh, your least favorite scene? Well, I mean, there's there's uh, when he's on the phone with this kid and, and his yes. boss is really riding him stuff is really rough. Yeah. Um, and then when he interrogate when he uh questions um the boyfriend yeah. and like like there's some rough beats where it's like, oh man, um, you know, if your kid's in the room, you're like, Oh, why did I let them watch this movie with me again? <laughs> um I would I remember to fast forward through both of those, but in the middle of fast forwarding the the second one. Like I got it like right when the tape was at its worst. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, good. I highlighted the bad part. Right. Exactly. Um, I mean, there's, there's some of those rough beats that are definitely like I could live without these scenes. Yeah. 
my mine like as a father the scenes where he just keeps disappointing max i get that it's that without that pain the movie doesn't exist but it, it just doesn't make it any easier to watch as you get older like as a kid you're just kind of like oh that's just the context of like why this movie exists and we're just going to do some funny jim carrey stuff but i mean you think about how how you've like disappointed your family or your kids before but like nothing that bad and you're just yeah. like oh you just feel so bad for max i didn't have anything in edits did you now i have some questions on some stuff okay. that just seemed weird that like it seemed like maybe so for one max makes his little wish at 8 15 at night who the heck is feeding their kid birthday cake on a school night at 8.15? Like, who throws this party where all these kids are still waiting to eat cake at 8.15 and they have to go to school the next day? <laughs> that is such a parent thing to say, right? I would have never thought of it until I was a parent. <laughs> Absolutely. But, like, afterwards, I'm like, wait, hold on. Right. It was 8.15 and he was just blowing out the candles and all his friends are still there. They're like, what kind of stupid parents are these? Um it just bugged me so much. I never thought about it until this last time watching it. And I'm like, hold on. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love uh, it. Uh, I really get a kick out of when they're in the airplane and Wesley, I forgot his name. Jerry. Jerry. Jerry says, I love you. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she, she says- like gulps her food and says like, is it implying that this is the first time he said, I love you. And they're married. Right. And they're like, He's or they're proposed. engaged, yeah. yeah. So he proposed before he said, "I love you." What's this, what? Like <laughs> what? Um, uh, yeah, that part just never makes sense. Like, so you're willing to move across the country with this guy, um, and say that you'll marry him, but when he says, "I love you," this is like a shock and a new thing. That that part always seems a little weird, and I don't I don't understand how Fletcher doesn't go to prison at the end of the movie. I get that it's pre nine eleven. So like it wasn't quite as it's not it's not quite as uh, intense to be doing crazy things at the airport as it would be now. But I think if you run out onto the jetway and steal, they treat you as a terrorist even then. Even back then, going to jail for a long time. Right. Um, I know they'll feel bad for you. Oh, he was trying to see his kid, Um, but you also almost wrecked an airplane full of people. Yeah. And yeah. 80s and 90s loved that uh, that type of thing. <laughs> let's let's keep going with some more uh, plot holes and quibbles. There's a laundry list of lawyer stuff uh, that like lawyers love to tear up this movie. Apparently, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to like a few of them. So we're not just going we're not just sitting here doing uh, lawyer talk. And now coming up on the Flayo podcast, lawyer talk. But the whole point of like him being able to get, he's trying to get Samantha off after he's figured out that he can't lie his way out of it. Uh, But contracts with a minor are considered voidable and not what he, like what the movie like professes it to be. So basically like his marriage is a sham marriage and therefore like she doesn't get anything because he had no clue that she was a minor. He even says it in the movie, right? I didn't know she was a minor. So like he could get an annulment uh, of that on the grounds of fraud. And so it's just like, (laughs) I get it. Completely hosed your client out of any. Right. Yeah. 
And they furthermore, they said that if that was um, if that was the case, then he's he's admitting evidence after the fact. And so like the they would have to see that and be able to to understand that before they could uh, continue on. So, yeah, just funny stuff. But I, I found it funny that like he wasn't able to come up with like a, a an honest argument for a continuance. But like his uh, his concussion that he gave himself in the bathroom was like, <laughs> like, I can go on, Your Honor. But and then he's then he starts that that crazy like line of questioning, and that's when the that's when the judge should have been like, I'm putting an end to this. Like we're gonna come back tomorrow. <laughs> Between his his obvious concussion, he's been just had the tar beat out of him, and the incredibly erratic behavior. Like yeah, any yeah. judge is like, um. Let's come back tomorrow, or I don't know, maybe like in a week. Um, uh, let's go get a read checked out. Yeah. Jose Canseco and Hideo Nomo being the famous baseball players here that Max would want to play. Uh, Nomo makes sense in March of like 1997. Like he just came off of his rookie, uh, like he had back to back years of rookie of the year. And back-to-back, like, fourth-place Cy Young finishes. Like, totally makes sense. But Jose and they Canseco, live in L.A. And they live in L.A., of course. Right, right. Jose Canseco's in Boston. Like, I don't even and remember him playing in Boston. Surprisingly, when I was looking at it, he still, like, he, he played 96 games and hit 28 homers. Wow. And was like batting like 260. I thought that, but that's post Texas. So it was kind of like he had that renaissance after the ball bounced on his head and went over. Yeah. Yeah. We don't talk about that. He had another great year in Toronto after that. But you're right. Like he's not the same guy. He's not like superstar Jose Canseco anymore. Um, By the way, I I was saving this for nerd stuff, but since you brought it up, uh, Nomo versus Canseco career. Yeah. Six plate appearances. He was 0 for 3 with three walks, an RBI, and a strikeout. So um, when Jim Carrey is saying the whole, like, who else is going to hit that famous no slider? slider. Or, and whatever – he says curve or slider, whatever it is. He, he says slider, yeah. yeah. Like, that's not actually the pitch that Nomo was really <laughs> famous for. It's the opposite, yeah. which I saw a lot of people roasting this movie but, over. Yeah, and it's like, right. really? That's yeah, your take? That's your thing? Liar, liar, that's the thing you're complaining about? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Canseco handling a Nomo slider um, never happened. He never got a hit off of Hideo Nomo in yeah. all six plate appearances. But that's right. what I was like. Did they ever even face each other? Like, that was my thought. But yeah, it did happen six whole times. Because so. because that was right after interleague play started, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I just kind of laughed. I was just like, was Jose Canseco still a thing? at that point in time so if it's bay area like then like his oakland time like that would make sense like little kids kind of hang on to that stuff a little bit longer than than adults do so like uh, max is young enough he like wasn't even aware of like life when we had like the bay area world series in 89 or anything like yeah canseco's not a thing for him yeah uh, I don't have anybody in breakout performance or before they were stars. Did you have anybody? Nobody in breakout for sure. Before they were stars, the only thing that came close. Um, Sherry O'Terry plays 
yeah. crazy secretary. And this is like uh-huh. right when she's starting on SNL too. And and I don't know, like breakouts a stretch for Sherry O'Terry in some ways. Yeah, I would say before they were stars. I mean, I, I mean, mean, I'm sorry, I meant before they were stars. stars. But yeah. star is is a little bit of a stretch, even like that's yeah. a very short window where Sherry O'Terry was like a known name. It's but, very much our generation, like yeah. new Sherry O'Terry, but anybody else would have been like, who? Oh, exactly. the girl cheerleader with uh, Will Ferrell and the Spartan YouTube <laughs> yes. clips. Okay, exactly. now yeah. I understand. Yeah. So it's hard uh, to tell it's her, though, with that crazy hair and stuff. So. Very true. Very true. Uh, iconic moment. You, you alluded to this a little bit earlier. You said you didn't have one. Not really. The only thing that I could come close to is his himself. He's uh, kicking his own butt in the bathroom. Like the own that's, but even then, I, I think that's bridge too far. Yeah. yeah. It's really fun. Just nothing, nothing I'd call iconic. Yeah. Uh, all right. So moving on to Emperor Palpatine unlimited power overacting award. <laughs> Should this be called the Jim Carrey award? Like it, we might have to change it. <laughs> um, if you know i almost like don't know if he qualifies like oh he 100 percent qualifies like he's just I, it should be named after him maybe i don't know <laughs> we need some kind of video with jim carrey doing emperor palpatine that's what we need in the world all right <laughs> what i want we... him saying unlimited power and having force lightning come out of his hands that's what i want to see now jennifer <laughs> tilly does in, in a normal movie the way that she turns so villainy like from mm, mm-hmm like from the beginning of the movie where she's like what are we gonna do to like the very end where she's like you haven't paid for these kids yet and stuff like it's just like huge you're just really going for it like just yeah goes full evil by the end of this movie but it it's nowhere near carrie i mean i literally put everyone but mora tyranny and swoozy kurtz everyone in this movie is overacting it's like Max is overacting because he's a kid. Like hard for kids not to be overacting. Miranda's overacting. She's oh, nuts. Gosh. The boss is overacting, like especially in the courtroom scene or in the uh, the, the conference or the boardroom scene. Oh, I'm a good rose. And then whenever he wins the the case, uh, like you said, uh, uh, Samantha Cole, Jennifer Tilly's character, like it's. Like Maura Tierney's like, am I in a different movie here? Like, <laughs> he like brought like the serious acting, and yeah. it just feels so out of place because everyone right. else is so over the top. Yeah. Um, oh, Jerry, like Carrie Elwes, <laughs> like he goes like the complete opposite direction. He's like Stuart Smalley, like overacting. <laughs> he thought he was an episode of Leave It to Beaver. He didn't know. Yeah, he there was you on go. Liar, liar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, good old Eddie Haskell. <laughs> All right, I don't have anything for ten- technical slash cinematography nerd stuff. Uh, I mean, no. it's just a That's it's right. just a I comedy. My, uh, my Nomo Conseco notes. Conseco notes. Okay. I don't know where else to put it? But uh, favorite song or score moment? There was nothing here. I'm I like, str- was there any music in this movie? <laughs> I stretched it to. Um, I really enjoyed the fact that he sang. Here she comes to wreck the day, like a uh, mighty mouse <laughs> as she's coming back into the courtroom whenever he thinks that he's got the continuous. Uh, good stuff. 
but I, I picked up this little jewel in, in the trivia. Um, Jars of Clay had a song uh, that's uh, Five Candles uh, that was intended to play during the, the end credits of the film. Uh, but they just took it out to put the, uh, the outtake montage in at the end, which was 100% the right, the right thing to do. But how out of place would a Jars of Clay song be at the end of Liar Liar? It's fantastic. Um, and you know the song. like uh, Yeah. It's uh, there it, when I needed you. Yes. Yes. You that there one. With eyes wet. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it's on their their second full album, Much Afraid, which was a, a Baptist Student Union staple back in the day, uh, along with uh, what was the what was the uh, third day? Come Live. Together came out. Yeah. When we were in college. Um, I don't know. You guys were always, everyone was walking around with an acoustic guitar trying to play Kiss Me by Six Minutes and the Richard when we were in college. <laughs> it was annoying. Um, I don't know who did that at all. Uh, <laughs> let's get into spiritual metaphors and illustrations. I think we've got some, some decent stuff to. Uh, I mean, when you have a movie called Liar Liar, some, some, nice little moral about truth is going to come out like you can see that coming a mile away but it's it's mm-hmm. i mean it's super on the nose but it's still good like the whole importance yeah. of letting your yes be yes your no be no um i mean by the very end when he like is actually telling the truth mm-hmm. it's too late like she's still walking out she's like whatever i'm done with you because he's lied so many times right um it's like no i'm actually telling the truth this time <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> Um, so like, that's a huge one. Like being a person of, of integrity of your word, like just does so much, uh, except apparently not make you a good lawyer. Cause he's really good at that beforehand. But I think right. that's part of the joke. Um, that's the opening scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, what good is it to gain the whole world? You have forfeit your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of see it early on when, He's with his boss and missing Max's birthday party. Like, what is the point of getting this promotion being in this place if this is what happens? But you really see it at the end of the court case. Yeah. Um, when like, wait, we won, but we did the wrong thing. Like, what did I just mm-hmm. do? And the whole I hold myself in contempt and stuff like he finally sees it like this is not the way it's supposed to be. Like, yes, I might. They're offering me, you know, a partnership in the law firm and they think I'm doing great. But what is, what is it costing me? So uh very very similar um it reminded me of the of the ravi zacharias quote about sin which is kind of apropos uh if you have heard about anything about ravi zacharias uh post-mortem but not here to to judge whether that's right or wrong um but sin will take you farther than you want to go keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay and so like i just thought that 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 quote i mean we know that we're sinners and we know that we're going to fail, but like just this, this type of like intentional changing your life in order to accommodate uh, sin and thinking that it's just something so small, you can trace back portions of your life where you're consistently chasing lie after lie. Like, especially like as a kid, I mean, you, you can remember that and your kids do it and you're just like, Oh, why are you doing this? A little bit of is, is, is human nature, but as adults, we can get caught up into it a little bit too, um, or actually a lot, uh, to help us get out of difficult situations or, or just simply to make our life easier, you know? 
um, like like he he did walking through. Oh yeah, if I just compliment everybody and tell them what they want to hear, like my life's going to be easier. Um, but it's also easy to see how like when you show that you're lacking morals in order to get ahead in your career, that leads you to have like a, a lack of morals in every facet of your life. You know, some people it seems to start there. You know, oh, well, I'm just gonna I'm gonna make this like I'm gonna bend this little rule to help get ahead like with, with my job. And that's going to help like the rest of my, my, uh, like my life seem okay. Like I'll get the car or I'll get the, uh, the job. And then that helps me with like all my family and stuff like that. And it's like, Oh, but then you get into the situations that, that Fletcher's getting into here. He's divorced. He's uh, a deadbeat dad, you know, and all of these other things because he thought, Oh, I'll just get ahead by doing this and everything will be great. So. Yeah. I'll make up for it later. I just need to do right. this right now. And it never, yeah. never works. Random thoughts. Did you have anything left over? I burned some of them. I think I burned through most of mine. Okay. Uh, it's this, uh, Christopher Darden has a cameo on the, on the courthouse steps at the very beginning. So, uh, he's the person that asked uh, Fletcher if he won or something like that. And he was the, uh, co-prosecutor along with Marsha Clark on the OJ Simpson trial. <laughs> Yes. So that was that was a little timely 1990s like cameo that like doesn't make any sense now. <laughs> um, and the claw was something that Carrie said that his dad did to him and his siblings. So it's just kind of a, a really cool like uh, uh, nod to his dad in the movie. It also explains a little bit about who Jim right. Carrey is. Absolutely. Um. <laughs> right. And then my last one at the at the end in the uh the airport scene uh where they're putting him on the stretcher uh among the emergency response personnel you can see jim carrey as far marshal bill uh from in living color <laughs> which is fantastic <laughs> he's got like his far marshal hat and he's on a walkie-talkie yeah he's not in like the full like makeup thing but you can all you have to do is look up uh, Fire Marshal Bill, liar, liar, and you can see a quick picture of it. It's pretty funny. So do we even have to ask the question of whose movie is it? Clearly it belongs. I, I can't even make up no. a, a bad excuse. It's no. it's all Jim Carrey. Um, I was shocked. I do not remember this movie being so dominated by him. And so mm-hmm. I don't know. I just never paid attention or didn't care before. And it's surprising that it doesn't suffer from it, you know? No. I mean, like it's it's great. Um it he he gets some some better foils a little bit later. Like, I mean, he gets Jennifer Aniston and Bruce Almighty. We'll talk about that in uh the the top five, but in some other people, he's got Cameron Diaz in in the mask before she makes it big, you know. But uh more tyranny was supposed to be here to be like keep everything grounded, they said. And she did, but not not, not everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. but I think that's about the easiest one uh, that we have. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we've got. We hope you uh, enjoyed the late nights at Blockbuster. Uh, let us know what you think uh, about any of the categories. Uh, if we missed something, or if you had uh, uh, some other plot holes or quibbles uh, that you'd like to 
the throw out on the Facebook page or the Instagram. Uh, you can do that at uh, the Phileo Podcast on Facebook or Instagram is Phileo Podcast, all one word, all lowercase. Or you can shoot us an email at phileopodcast at gmail.com. Great job, buyers. Good brownies. Brownies. Brownies.